0: I asked Hogan, I said, how many more songs do we have when we were standing up in the, the booth there together, and he said zero. So I thought it might be probably a good thing to come down and say hi. We are uh, excited that you're here. Uh, when it was about 9 o'clock this morning and there were like four people here, I thought it's a holiday weekend. But we're here, so I appreciate if you are camping or visiting or traveling or, or, or maybe even just being in the weather that we've been having, I'm excited that you are here. We're continuing uh, our teaching in the book of John, so if you have Bible or if you have an app or uh, however you... Uh, read the word. We're going to be in John, and we're starting in chapter 2, so we've exhausted chapter 1. We're going to be moving on to chapter, uh, to chapter 2. Chapter 2, 1 through 11, tells us, On the third day there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother Now there were six stone jars, uh, water jars there, for the Jewish rites of purification. Each held 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And they filled them to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. And so they took it. And when the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine. And did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, and, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of the signs Jesus did at Canaan in Galilee, and manifested his glory, and the disciples believed in him. So, when Jesus was revealed, and we've, we've covered that in, in the first chapter, when Jesus was revealed as the Messiah to John the Baptist, he immediately began this, his divine work. For 33 years-ish, he had lived in relative obscurity. But John, he really didn't do anything. Or Jesus didn't really do anything to stand out until that day and he came to where John was baptizing in the Jordan, but John immediately knew him. The Baptist shrinking back in, in awe at the request of Jesus to, to be baptized. I mean, we have in Matthew three fourteen, I need to be baptized by you, John says, and, you, and do you come to me? But nevertheless, the, the master responded, To John, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting to fulfill all righteousness. After he was baptized by John, Jesus began to gather around uh, himself those men who would be his apostles, the disciples. John was standing with two of his disciples, one of uh, Andrew and the brother Simon, uh, the son of the man named John. And as Jesus passed by, declared, Behold, the Lamb of God, the two men that had been standing with John then immediately began to follow Jesus. And so it was not a desertion of John, of the forerunner. This was the fulfillment of the ministry God had assigned to John. He's pointing to Jesus, right? And I'm suppose some might imagine some kind you know there would be some kind of competition as it would be in our uh, in our day and time now Jesus and John but uh, that's the way things operate now right but John saw matters differently he knew that he was there in Judea and, and he understood what his purpose was uh, he he would say of jesus and of himself he must increase but i must decrease having heard john's testimony concerning jesus andrew made the decision to follow jesus right andrew was excited excited enough to that he raced to find his brother saying we found the messiah his excitement generated interest in simon who followed andrew to jesus and when jesus saw simon coming to him he said you're simon the son of John, you shall be called Cephas. And the master continued to gather this band about him. There was nothing exceptional about these first followers, and uh, nevertheless they were destined for greatness, for their faith, for following. The next day, with these first disciples, until Jesus decides to go to Galilee, and there he found Philip and invited him to join their band of growing disciples. And the account uh, John provides tells us, Now Philip was from Bethsaida in the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We found him whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathaniel, can anything come? Good come out of Nazareth? Philip tells him, "Come and see." Jesus saw Nathaniel coming toward him. Behold an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Wait, wait, wait. How do you know me? Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathaniel rabbi you are the son of God you are the king of Israel Jesus answered him because I said to you I saw you under the fig tree do you believe you will see greater things than these and he said to him truly truly I say to you you will see heaven opened and angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man and so our text opens on the third day, telling us that that what is about to happen was the f- quite early in the ministry of Jesus. He had been uh, he had been busy calling these disciples, these men, to be around him, and um, would be known to us as the apostles after Jesus set them sets them forth. And now three days had passed since Jesus had called Nathaniel, and perhaps. Maybe Nathanael was the last of the twelve to be called. No others are mentioned at this point after. Um, and as a result of what they witnessed that day, we're told in John 2, 11, his disciples believed in him. So, why did Jesus provide the signs that were witnessed throughout, not just here at this wedding, but throughout the days of his brief life here on this earth, walking these dusty trails and these travels, and the answer we see And John 20, 30 through 31, tells us, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that by believing, you may have life in his name. And so the Gospel of John that we're studying, we're taking this time to go chapter by chapter is arranged around seven different signs that Jesus performed during his days on this earth. And John makes it abundantly obvious that these signs were not the only ones Jesus performed. Rather, each of the signs John listed and writes to us about are deliberately chosen in order to what? To reveal Christ's power and to demonstrate the impact his presence had on those about him in that day. So Jesus performed signs. The Spirit of, of Christ ensured that those signs would be written down for one great pers- purpose, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. And the reason God seeks our belief is so that by believing, you may have life in his name. This is in keeping with the declaration Jesus makes uh, to his disciples. We read in in Luke 19, Jesus says, The the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And so in the text, no one would lose their life we're not in a life-saving situation at this point um due to running out of wine but the couple and their family would be disgraced if they were unable to fulfill this the, the societal expectations this was a big deal a, a, a foundational and integral part of this wedding ceremony that wasn't our typical Christian wedding of 20 to 22 minutes and then you kiss the bride and you move on to this or that this was a feast this was an extravagant process and there were expectations and honor and all this that that goes along with it we're not told who was being married i mean that's not really important uh here um whoever the bride and groom was uh mary and her son have been invited to the wedding um i assume they probably know jesus on one side of the family or the other um, because they were told that they also invited him and his disciples um as well and so Among the guests, we're told in our text that Mary, Mother of Jesus, Jesus and his disciples. And one thing that stuck out to me, several things, but one of the things that stuck out to me is where Jesus is, his disciples will be found standing with him. Where Jesus is, his disciples will be found standing with him. Wherever his disciples may be, Jesus is with them. Okay, is this not the promise we have received when Jesus said, If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. John 12, 26. I mean, focus on that statement. Where I am, there will be my servant also. The servant of Christ will stand with him. So I find it interesting that even so early on, where Jesus is, those that have said, Lord you are lord you are the messiah they're standing with him and the master promises us who follow i am with you always to the end of the age our god has promised people in hebrews 13 5 i will never leave you nor forsake you take comfort we have to take comfort in this knowledge right and then with that we need to take the time to discover where jesus is standing and then stand with him there find where the master is working invest our energy working with him there at first glance maybe it's not apparent to you that jesus is at work but find where he is standing because that's the place where he will shortly be working Jesus is always working. John five uh, seventeen. my father is working until now, and I am working. So we see the disciples gathering where Jesus is. And then we hear these words that to us don't seem that big of a deal. The wine ran out seems as you read the story in a whole, it seems pretty mundane as we read through that. It does I, I mean at least me, it doesn't necessarily it, it excite me to read or, or, or worry me to read the, the wine ran out. Again, this was a huge disaster uh, or blunder in this time and in this place. Maybe it was a hot day, they were, people were drinking more than usual, maybe they had carved their, their, their budget down and didn't purchase enough for how many people were attending. I mean, we really don't know why there wasn't enough. Um, and again, just like whose wedding it was, I don't know that that's really that important. The importance is that it ran out. And if there wasn't beverage or wine provided soon, people will begin to leave. It was when the wine was depleted that the mother of Jesus, we see Mary, realized what was happening and she walks over and tells Jesus they have no wine which is kind of an interesting point um, because we have to remember to this point that we know of in scripture uh, Jesus has never performed any miracles or signs so it's not like they've been at home Jesus were out in Nutella And now they've got plenty of Nutella. Like this is not like this is not an. Oh, I forgot this. Jesus, this is a first occurrence of. So far, uh, Matthew thirteen fifty five. So far as anyone knew, he was a carpenter's son, right? So was. Mary, then just make an idle conversation? See, I, I don't think that's the case. The master, Jesus gently re- rejects her statement, indicates I, that he understood that she was asking him to do something. She wasn't just randomly going, man, the wine's out. I mean, he understood that she was asking him to do something by saying that um, because he tells her, what does this have to do with me, my hour? has not yet come. So it's obvious that Mary expected her son to do something uh, to help in the situation. Because then she immediately, after that response, says, do whatever he tells you to do. It's kind of that typical mom thing, like you ask somebody to do something, and I envision the kid kind of like rolling their eyes, like I'm and she's already like, you just do whatever he says to do because he's going to do something like regardless of his response mom's got this thing figured out uh but anyway um she wasn't suggesting that jesus needed to make wine like just run up to the local supermarket or or whatever there there was something that needed to be done immediately and here's Here's what I would have us see in this situation. In making the request she made, Mary was acting on her personal knowledge of who Jesus was. Okay, she wasn't, she wasn't going by external circumstances or things that have been done in the past because this is the first time that he's ever performed a sign or, or, or miracle. I mean, yes, he's Jesus, but he, she's going back. And it's a passage that we really only read during, like, Advent Christmas time. But remember the angels? <laughs> like, remember the angels telling her who Jesus is? Like, she's living with that. angel Gabriel, Luke 1, 26, 38. The angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary, and he, became, and he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was gently troubled, or greatly troubled, at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your room and bear a son, and you shall call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him Uh, will give to him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end and Mary said to the angel how will this be since I am a virgin and the angel answered her the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you therefore the child will be born uh, born will be called holy the son of God And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who has called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed. And so she hasn't seen these signs or these miracles before, but she understands who Jesus is. From the day the angel of God appeared to her, Mary understood that the child she carried was more than an ordinary child. We read that she pondered the greetings she had received when she visited Elizabeth. When Elizabeth was in her third trimester carrying John, who would be known as the Baptist, the unexpected greeting from her cousin would be remembered throughout her life. We read that Mary had treasured up the events that had taken place when the shepherds came with an account of the angels sending them to see the child that was born. She had marveled at the prophecy of, uh, of Simeon and the praise that had been offered up by Anna. Mary treasured up all that was said. When the child at twelve had been found in the temple, right? They thought he was traveling with them in the caravan, and they left. And and, and like two days into it, we're like, "Where's, Je- where's Jesus?" Talk about like your Walmart freakout moment. Where's your kid? This is like two days down the road. At that time, her firstborn child had responded to the expression of concern. Of Joseph and Mary, and his response was, why are you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Jesus said he was precisely where he was supposed to be, and he was in his father's house. And though he had never performed a miracle, his his mother knew that he could. If that was his father's will. She knew that, that, that Jesus was obedient to his father and that the, the father had spoken from heaven identifying him as his beloved son. And so Mary was assured that Jesus was the son of God and that his word was powerful. So she came to him to inform him that the wine had run out. There's something else in, in this account that that kind of stuck out to me or i picked up on that has immediate application for us um, eventually things happen in life things that are, are common to every one of us but things that nevertheless have that potential to incapacitate us you know per, Maybe it's something as mundane as like losing your creativity. Um, perhaps as a parent, we struggle to ensure that our kids are being trained uh, in righteousness and obedience and, and love of the Lord. We, we can move in a slow-moving manner, going through the routine as we always have done. Or... We can find some meaningful way to to provide instruction that will transform. And so however we recognize that, we are exhausted from the daily demands on our lives. Right? And we simply can't find ourselves not being able to do what's necessary. Failure to meet the, the challenge has consequences. Children can be negatively impacted as a result uh, of that. The wine has run out, right? Perhaps we teach, maybe we're, we're a part of a group of, or we're a school teacher or or, or maybe a, a in the children's church or maybe you lead a group, a Bible study group and you... just like going through the motions we know that the routine is quickly turning into a rut and for those who we're responsible for are moving towards maybe less and less spiritual maturity we know we need to do something, to, to some spark that will ignite the fuel and, 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 and impel our students or, or those who maybe we pray to aspire to a powerful walk with the Master. And if we don't provide something, the consequence could be disasters for those who are looking to us. You know, this, this idea that the wine has, has run out. It may be that we have a friend who is lost. We've long felt responsible to tell that friend um, of the freedom that's found in Christ. We've prayed for that friend, sought an opportunity to speak with them, but in recent days we've come to realize that we're still saying the prayers, but we're not really praying. We're saying the prayers, but we're not really praying. Again, going through the motions. But we don't, but we know we aren't really standing in the presence of God. We realize that things are not what they should be, but we're not certain what can be done. And so the wine has run out. And we've settled into this dreary condition. Maybe even seems as living in this haze or stumbling through days. we know that we need revival because in our life the wine's run out. You may recall Jesus taught no one puts new wine into old wine skins, right? If he, if he does, the wine will burst the skins and the wine is destroyed and so are the skins. But the new wine is for fresh wine skins. That's Mark two twenty two. You need new wine, and you know that your faith in Jesus constitutes new wineskins. You come to the Master confessing your faith in Him as the risen Lord. You still recall that day when you were born from above, and He has never rescinded that transformation, right? You may have slipped into a rut. What is needed is not another wineskin. You are born from above, right? You need to replenish the wine. This is nothing less than a call for revival in the life that ex- may be exhausting. If you will hear it, whether for the first time or in order to refresh your memory, this is the word Romans 10 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. That glorious promise concludes by quoting the prophet Joel, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So here then is this, we find ourselves in this essential issue, have you called on the name of the Lord? Have you placed your faith in the living uh, Son of God? Has He redeemed your soul? Then, and if so, then know that you are His. Though you may have seen the wine run out in your life, the wineskin is still new and will hold what is needed. Uh, ephesians 5 18, 21 do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery but be filled with the spirit addressing one another in psalms hymns spiritual songs singing making melody to the lord with your heart giving thanks always for everything to god the father and in the name of the lord jesus christ submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. We're commanded to be filled with the Spirit. There's one baptism in many fillings. When we came uh, to faith, we were baptized in the Spirit, right? And how, However, from that point, we find that we're always in need of refreshment. Jesus tells us, Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers, rivers, rivers. Of living water now this he said about the spirit whom those who believe in him were to receive the waters cannot continue to flow without being replenished the one who follows christ will refresh others and encourage them but that one uh, but that one will find it necessary to be refreshed from time to time. We must be refreshing ourselves, right? Your life as a born-from-above follower of Christ is the new wineskin. If you were just another religious individual and you attempted to like refresh others, it'd be a disastrous failure. Your life could not contain the new wine the holy spirit because he would cause you to just burst open and ruining the wine and the skin however you are made new by faith in the risen savior right and the spirit of god now lives within those who place their faith in him and so now then you are a source of refreshment for others If you or I had changed water into wine, I would have to say, I, I, I have no doubt that we, we would let people know. Like if I changed water into wine, like I would be texting people, like there would, you know, there would be like a blog about it. You'd be like, you know, I'm gonna get so many hits on YouTube send emails, call the newspaper, whatever. Um, and when asked, we would say, you know, I, we would say, this is what the Lord has done through me. But we'd be certain to stress our role in, in what was accomplished. I, it's just our, our human nature. Somehow it's never quite enough to simply say the Lord has done great things. Uh, we like to be recognized Um, but what we see here is Jesus didn't promote himself as he performed the work um, that God had for him it was a wedding no one expected anything beyond the ordinary the servants knew that the wine was being drawn down at this alarming rate finally it happened there was not even another cup left these those serving the guests were not able to take um these goblets and these contain uh, containers to the table to refill and so shortly everybody's going to be leaving jesus steps in no magic words didn't wave his hands over the jar that we know of that we're told in the scripture he didn't Ask people to pay attention what he was doing. In fact, most of the guests at the wedding had no idea what was even going on. And other than his disciples who appear to have been standing again, standing close to the master, the servants were the only ones who knew something different had taken place. And so we can almost see, I, I would think, the wonder on their face. They knew the jars that they they had filled the jars with water. I got that out of the well. I know that that was not wine coming out of the well. Six jars were you know what would say thirty to forty gallons apiece. Bringing the water in, they had heard Jesus instruct one of the servants to draw a cup and take it directly to the master of the feast everyone's certain and, and then we get the whoa you've been holding out on us i'm sure that was baffling uh, to him he couldn't quite put all that together right the wedding planner was like wait a minute I, uh, this is not how we usually do things um and he would have assumed that it all came from the same source you had so many there's anyway uh but what's critical for us to know at this point is that the knowledge that none of the guests, with the exception of Jesus and disciples and his mother, knew what had happened. And Jesus wasn't saying anything. Because those with Jesus, this was an event that was fully known. For everyone else, it would remain a mystery until we read the scripture. And John uh, writes it in his gospel. Um, so this is kind of what i took from and you can look at so many different angles so many different dynamics um, of this passage but this is what struck me the most Um, we see the miraculous in the mundane As followers, we, we must commit ourselves to prayer. We must commit ourselves um, to knowledge of what the written word is. Commit ourselves to obeying the command of the Master so that it serves and, and penetra- serves those around us, penetrates the darkness that we are in. Being that light. and in doing these things i think we will see the miraculous in the mundane perhaps we really need to train ourselves to begin to see the miraculous in the mundane or or regular God works through what the world calls common, right? I mean, he said, recall how the apostle encouraged the, the church uh, in Corinth. He wrote, Consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise <laughs> according to worldly standards, but. who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boasts in the Lord. God works in the monotonous. God works in the mundane. We may be well excited by the dramatic, but God works deliberately and in the routines of life. And so that made me think, Um, even just recently as we saw the the um just the revival the true the true revival um that went on at asbury the, the the lives that were changed through that and that awakening was 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 amazing God has, can, and will. God has, can, and will work in amazing and awe-inspiring ways. Maybe you've been to a retreat. Maybe you've been to a, a, a conference or, or a specific Uh, group a guest speaker uh, some whatever that is god has can and will work in those but my warning is if we're not careful we may find ourselves running after those experiences and so when a revival such as Asbury doesn't form at another location where we may be, we may think of it, well, God didn't show up. Or I, I've got f- I, got ai I'm just running on. I'm running on empty. I need to go to this. I, I just need to go to this conference or this. And and we begin to run after experiences. And so those are true. And God works in those. I am not in the least bit saying that. Please don't hear me. What I what I felt like. coming through the scripture and that I want to continue to dwell on to steep in is God works in the common God works in our day-to-day life and so we can become uh, consumed with experience and miss God and so when i see this passage of jesus doing an amazing miracle he turned a liquid into another form of a liquid okay we can't do that he can do that but he also raised lazarus from being dead for four days like no difference i mean there is a if i had to pick i would pick lazarus being alive over you know we'll just have water um but like there it, it's a miracle a miracle is a miracle is a miracle whether he's a miracle of something happening in my everyday life or a miracle of a child gaining his life back uh, who's on uh, you know in i uh, ICU at a children's hospital, a miracle's a miracle, a miracle. And so I just want to guard ourselves and not gradate yes. miracles, right? Or signs or wonders or Him working. And so we've got to remind ourselves that God works in the common. So you've paid... You've paid your faith in son of god and he's redeemed you you may not feel any different than you ever did but you must know there is a difference he appointed you to a service right and like moses Most of us were probably like dissented. We're like, "Oh, I can't speak," or "I," or arguing that you have any kind of training. Like you feel like God's calling you to this, and you're immediately like, "Nope, that's not me. I can't do that." Just you are learning, or must learn that we serve a God who makes no mistakes. And although he may work slowly, in some circumstances, he is working. And what we think should be worked out is not necessarily the way God is going to work it out. So, the God who redeemed you when you trusted Christ is a God who will continue to work in your life. apostles with the apostles we can testify right in philippians 1 6 i'm sure of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of christ jesus first thessalonians five twenty four. he who calls you as faithful he will surely do it this is why we can't give in to this daily grind we know that God is working. We see the miraculous in the mundane and his glory uh, in our lives. And so that's where I found myself in this passage. We will see plenty of other signs, a sign being a miracle that has a, a teaching or a lesson or a message to go with it. But there's going to be plenty of miracles but John tells us these are miracles so that you may understand who Christ is and that's my my prayer for us and those in our community let's pray heavenly father god i just pray that you be glorified here this morning that that god that, that your word would go forth that your spirit would soften that your spirit would lay bare our hearts to know to know what we need because i know as well as anyone in this place that many times what i think i need is not the case god you are perfect your plan is perfect Your love is perfect. Your grace is perfect. Your mercy is perfect. And all of that you poured out on us knowing who we were before even being knit in our mother's womb but still died on the cross. That ultimate sacrifice made for us. And so, God, I just pray now this morning if there is anyone in this place that has a question about where they are in you that they would seek someone out that they would come and and speak with myself that they would come and talk with one of the the elders or those that are here even surrounding them we want to be a church that it's not you have to speak to an elder or who's preaching but we are a church that are his hands and feet so you can reach out even to those that are around you and we'll begin to walk with one another and so god i just pray this morning as we take a snapshot of this first miracle that was uh that was recorded for us that we just realize that you are in our daily lives you want to be in our daily lives it's the way you created us so god don't allow us to push you out don't allow us to busy ourselves. Don't allow us to race after experiences, but to just sit and, and, and dwell, abide in you. Amen. Each week we have opportunity to take communion together. We have four different stations around the, the room. Um, so you can take that at the, at the tables. You can take the emblems back to your desk, to your desk, to your chairs. Uh, or even stand together as a family or individuals and and partake together. But this is a time to remember that sacrifice that was made for us. So just invite you now to come.